Hey, if we're going to throw realism into any of these conversations, we're going to be out of a show, okay? <laughs> is, is there a mascot Hall of Fame? I bought a t-shirt, therefore I have swag? No, that's not how it works. You're a tremendous slouch. Oh, I'll clean it up and get out of here! <laughs> that is how you open the show. Are we on? Show. When does the show that's start? That's how you open oh, the show. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. We are so thrilled to have Dave Rose, former BYU basketball head coach, legend in uh, Cougar Sports history with us on BYU Sports Nation. Coach, welcome back to the show. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. You and I were joking after the game, more so me than you, that you are kind of like Tony Romo now when it comes to basketball and viewing things as an analyst, where you're going to, as a former coach, you're like, they're going to do this, and then they do that. Yeah, and, and if they don't do that, you just don't remember that one. Okay? You just remember <laughs> the ones that you said, oh, yeah, yeah. they're going to do this, and then they do it, and it happens, and that's the one you talk about. All the other ones, you just let go. How, how are you as a spectator? Are you kind of antsy as the former coach, or can you watch and I, I, will, I will tell you this. It's really, really interesting because I've been through so many different uh, you know, spectator moments. Being a spectator for your own kids is the worst, okay? I mean, because you want your kids you know, to do so well, and, and then you realize if it doesn't work, what's going to happen at home for the next six hours to get it back to normal. And But uh, you know, being a spectator of – this BYU basketball team, it's a lot more nerve-wracking than uh, actually, you know, being over there coaching because you're involved in so many things. And there's, in this one, you're just worried about the next play and you don't have any control over it. And um, but it's fun. These guys have been terrific. And I'll tell you, one of the really special things I don't think that gets talked too much about about how good this team is. You look at. The, the the seven losses that they've had and how they've been beat. I mean, my goodness, they've only been beat really maybe once or twice mm-hmm. the whole year, and both those games were without their best inside player. You know, against so, one seeds right now. So you, yeah. what, what we're talking about is that this team, even when they do get beat, it's a tough out. I don't think anybody wants uh, you know run into this group. It, it's a dangerous group of guys. They're they've got depth. They've got uh, experience. Uh, they've got a lot of talent, and they've got a roster that really works. I mean, just position-wise. Those three guys coming off the bench, are uh, they all bring you something different, but they all bring you the same thing, that they can all hit threes. I mean, Dalton and Connor and uh, uh, Zach can all come in with, with energy. Connor can guard perimeter guys. Dalt is a, a physical. He understands the system, both offensively and defense, as well as any player. You know, on the team, and uh, then Zach, the energy that he brings, the rebound, and then all the stuff they run with him in that pick and pop, and he's popping. Uh, you know, he gets seven threes, eight threes in a game. You take three guys off the bench that could all potentially have twenty point nights. I mean, that's that, that's a pretty good and uh, just just pretty good depth to have, plus um, the experience that these guys have, have been through. Yeah, it's been a record-setting year for BYU shooting the three. They've made double-digit threes in 14 games. That's never happened. You coached some outstanding three-point shooting teams. So to watch these guys, who you basically recruited all of them, do this and have it come to fruition this way, how is that emotionally for you? Well, I'm just really happy for the guys. I think that it's a, uh, you know, I, you, you go into this and, you know, I coached here for 14 years, and most of those years 
early, you know, all the guys got that NCAA experience. They got a chance to go to the tournament, which is the that's the special part of collegiate basketball is to get into that tournament and feel get on that blue carpet and feel what it's like to go through the practice sessions, the the, the media sessions, you know, the shoot arounds, but you wait for uh, on game day and you're in the locker room and that game before you goes into OT. I mean, it's just crazy how special that is. And then the lights come on and they're really, really bright. And sometimes that is way too quick. You know, you get in, you you play the game, you get eliminated in the first round. But most of our guys all got that chance. And without, without going for, you know, four years, uh, I'm just happy that these guys are right in the mix right now. Finish this thing off like you've done all the you know fifteen weeks prior, and just be consistent down the stretch, and you'll get in there and and get a chance to enjoy that. Projected as the seven seed by Joe Lenardi right now. What do you think of that spot for BYU? Well, the seven ten game is uh, is usually a pretty pretty fair matchup game, you know, and and then you get a two seed if you win, and uh, and then you know you hope there's upsets there, you know, where maybe you, you catch a break. I remember uh, back when we. Uh, you know, went to the Sweet 16, and we were playing Florida in New Orleans, and uh, you know Pittsburgh ends up beating Butler. I mean, Butler ends up beating Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh, I think, was the one seed, and Butler was the four or five, whatever. And and you think that you know we end up be losing our game in overtime, but if we'd won, we're going to play the lowest scoring team in the NCAA against uh, one of the highest scoring teams with Jimmer for dead. And, that, that, and, and VCU is sitting so, there so, behind them. So you talk about being you know being really close. Uh, and I think this team can think about those same kind of things because uh, uh, the the way that the team's put together, the way that they play, uh, the depth that they have, and then again the 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 position, roster position that works for them. They play four guys out on the perimeter. That's hard to deal with. And there are times when there's five. I mean, we played some, some minutes of that game the other night where there was no one in the post. Yeah. And it was all five guys spread out. And, you know, you could see San Francisco with big Jimbo, you know, trying to figure out where do I go here. And uh, so it's, uh, it's fun to watch these guys, and I'm just happy for them. Is there a seed line you don't like, like the eight nine game? The eight nine, the eight nine is always. You know, we had two of those, I think, and uh, three of them, right? Maybe three of them. Yeah, yeah. you played Xavier and, and Texas A and M twice. Yeah, and we didn't get past A and M either time or Xavier, but it, it just kind of it, it, it's it's interesting. You know, after you have eight invitations to the tournament, and you're always excited, and Selection Sunday's fun, but you want to get past Selection Sunday, where your guys just go, okay, this is what we have. Liz, this is where we got to go. This is what we're going to do. And sometimes that seed line, uh, you know, now with this group, they'll all be ecstatic. It'll be fun to, be, you know, to have camera in that room and see how they all respond because they haven't been for quite a while. But, uh, you know, you want to have a seed that, uh, you know, lets you see it happening for you down the road. Dave Rose with us on BYU Sports Nation. What do you feel like is uh, the recipe to making this a special season? And you're Jeremy and I kind of give our opinions on the matter, but what, it's already been pretty remarkable. What makes it special? Well, I think that uh, you, you come into every season with these three main goals, win a regular season championship, win a tournament championship, uh, and then you know get to the NCAA tournament and advance in the tournament. And I think that any, any one of those three – make it a special season for the players and the coaches, for the fans. I mean, you, you just heard the question from the guy. I mean, I mean, his answer 
beat Gonzaga and get to the tournament and didn't even talk about winning a regular season championship <laughs> or a tournament championship. Those things are, you know, th- th- they just don't mean that much anymore to fans. What means something to fans is getting to the NCAA tournament. And we've got this thing with Gonzaga here at, at BYU where Gonzaga has dominated this league. And so you beat them and now you've really done something. And I, you know, obviously we really understand that. And, and, uh, you know the the some of the most special nights as a coach for, uh, here at BYU were the nights when we beat Gonzaga. Uh, it was funny; most of them were up there. You know, it, 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 we we only beat them a couple times here in our place. Uh, the win against Gonzaga in Denver, probably the best win you know of all when we moved on to the Sweet Sixteen before we were even in their league. But uh, I think that to me, to, to make it really special. One of those three things need to happen. The one you have no control over, really, because Gonzaga controls their own destiny for the um, the regular season championship. But it'd be really nice to go down to Vegas and win a conference tournament championship that we haven't won in, I mean, we're getting close to 20 years now. 20 you know? years. So that would make it really special, in my opinion. And then, obviously, you get to the tournament uh, and, and those – memories will be so special for the team and for the fans all they want to do is once you get there is win you know I remember we got beat two or three times in a row and I think we went back to back against A&M and my gosh I was sitting there in my office wondering oh we got to crank this up and do it again I don't even know if it's just taking shots from everybody you know and I got a a letter in the mail from Lavelle Edwards and he wrote me a, a personal note about how when when he went to his first bowl games, when he got this thing rolling. And in the letter, I still have it today, you read it, one of the paragraphs said, I was you know, so discouraged that I don't even know if I will. People give me so much hassle about getting to the bowl game and then losing it. Inside of me, I thought, well, maybe it's better if we don't even go to a bowl. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm reading that and I'm going, you know, I, I feel your pain, my friend. You know? I can feel that. But, it, but what a, you know, it was a great – and he said, hey, you, you're doing the right thing. You're doing it the right way. Hang in there. It's going to turn. And sure enough, we, we finally got in there and you know, were able to win a few NCAA tournament games. And that kind of run can last for a long time. We're still celebrating that run to the Sweet 16. We're still celebrating the national championship. Yep. I never, you know what I mean? Well, absolutely. It last a long time. Absolutely. It, it's uh, – uh, the, 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 the celebration for fans – is nice, but the celebration for the players and those teams, um, you know, this this group that uh, um, that Sweet Sixteen team with, uh, you know, we we headlined Jackson and Jimmer, but I mean, what what a team that was as far as just a mix of guys, and uh, it'll be ten years here, I think, next year, and uh, Jackson and Jimmer got a big reunion planned, and so we're excited all they? all get back together. Nice. That, that's oh, going to yeah. be really fun, and and. Uh, those are things that are really special uh, as far as this opportunity, this profession that you're in, uh, because those things, they, they do. They last forever. I'm glad you brought up the, the team aspect because Charles Abuo and Noah Hartsock and Brandon Davies is a big part of that team. There were so many. Logan Magnuson. Logan Magnuson Logan for Magnuson crying out loud. saved the Wofford game. Let's yeah. go, man. Greatest. I yeah. mean, it was those guys, and every time you see him, the first thing you do is you look at each other and you just smile. I mean, it's just like, you know, it doesn't really matter to me what you've been doing, and it doesn't matter to them what I've been doing. 
we know what we did, and that was really fun. That <laughs> was really fun, you know. Why do you feel like this team this year has maybe some of those elements that that special team has? Well, I'll, I'll tell you this, that there's, there's a, um, a, a feeling of, around a team that where a personal agendas get set aside. And then there's sometimes when you're coaching a team and you're fighting those personal agendas all year long. And, and it works, all right, and it still happens, but it's not nearly as enjoyable. And from my opinion, you know, from the outside looking in, it looks like all these guys have taken these personal agendas that maybe they've come here with and they've got to their senior year. When I was a junior college coach, it was every junior college coach, you'd see him and you go, hey, what do you like about freshmen? Well, freshmen are excited. They got energy. They're passionate, but they want everything. They want to be the player of the year. They want to be all American. They want to be first team all league. They want to score. They want to sophomores just want to win, you know, and there's something similar to that with seniors and with this team. You got a group of seven guys that uh, put their heart and soul into this thing. And it looks to me like winning is the top priority for every one of those guys. And you take a guy like TJ Haas who could score 30 points a game every night. I mean, he could. The dude's got an unbelievable game, and he, he knows how to do it. But he's one of the most adaptable players on this team. When Yo's not in, his numbers are scoring numbers are off the charts. When Yo's playing, his assist numbers way up, and he, he yields to what's best for the team to make it happen. And uh, and that's true with Jake and with Alec, and you know, I mean, it's uh, and, and Yo Yo's the guy that. Uh, it's it's just we've we've had him in and we've had him out we've had him in and hopefully you know we all talk about oh it's gonna be so great when we get to play Gonzaga with Yo let's all just hope that we get to play Gonzaga with Yo and see the thing <laughs> that, on, that actually happen because <laughs> we've had some wild things happen here and you just hope that happens and hope it happens twice. You know, hope we get him yeah. here in our place, and then hope we get him down there in Vegas and have a chance in to, their other place. to see how that all plays out. You know? Yeah. Uh, at Ames Flames, uh, which is uh, a woman, she's Amy, she says, Dave Rose just mentioned me on BYUSN. He referred to me as the guy, but I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, I missed, I missed who it was from. Okay, I just, okay. Hard to know, right? Yeah. Hard to know. That was a great question, by the way. One of the best questions ever, I think, submitted. <laughs> <laughs> here, uh, that was great. Seriously, you just made her day. <laughs> Again. She loved it. Yeah. Coach, great to see you. Uh, we'd love to see a lot more of you. All right. Thanks, guys. I look forward to uh, getting more involved in, uh, in broadcasting some games. I hope it, I can find a way that, to, stay, to stay courtside and do some analyst analytics. I, I'm, not, I'm not that good with numbers, but I'm actually I'm, I'm pretty good with seeing what's going on. And, uh-huh. uh, I'm, I'm excited to get started doing that. Awesome. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Thanks, Coach. All right. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's go and one. Picks, predictions, and one on BYU Sports Nation. Two points for the first pick if you get that right, and then you have a chance at a bonus point with your and one selection. Going into the San Francisco game, Jerem held a 34-29 lead in our head-to-head contest. I'll go first. TJ Haas will have six-plus assists for my two-pointer. Just got it. He had seven. Nailed it. And one. BYU will never trail in the second half. 
I got a little bit nervous about this late, but never felt like BYU was in real danger of losing the game. Got down to seven when they were up by 25 at one point, so I go two for two. My two-pointer, BYU will get a 14-plus point lead and will not lose the game. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so BYU won. They did blow that lead, though. Like, down to seven, right? Uh, Give us some of that! And one! Yeah, largest lead was 25. And I said Gavin Baxter would play. He hadn't played. Said he would play. He tweeted out on Friday night, if this tweet gets 99 likes, I'll play. 99's nothing. It probably got like 990 likes. Yeah, yeah, probably 10 times that. So, yeah, we uh, we both got all of our uh, points, all three. So 37-32 is the score. If it comes down to it, as we get closer to the end of the season, I'm going to have to go head-to-head with you on some things because we can't both get them right <laughs> if I have any right. hope of winning. Right. It's I like, can't trade baskets with yeah, you. That's called playing defense in this because yeah. you could just play off it, right? Yeah. yeah. There's no special teams here. So. Congratulations. You're winning you by too. five. <laughs> It is time for Top 5 Tuesday, presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. It is the Top 5 Cosmo Moments at number 5, Jared. November 12th, 2016. Oh, yeah, I remember. BYU hosting Southern Utah University at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Cosmo in all his majesty. Sets the record for most back handsprings in a row by a mascot. 43! That's unbelievable. He's still dizzy today. <laughs> and, and then later his head flew off, right? <laughs> yes. 2018? Is that going to be in this? Number Our pet's heads are falling off! <laughs> <laughs> Number four, January 27, 2018. Rapper Doe, A.O. and Tail. They got the ice. I the just wrist. wanna rolly, rolly, rolly. Yeah, we don't have rights to that. You can't sing any longer. Okay, I'm sorry. Join Cosmo and the Cougarettes to set the Marriott Center on fire! Not literally. With a halftime performance that went viral, it was so awesome. Look at that. The backdrop. Oh, so cool. Oh. At number three, December 7, 2017. Fresh off newfound stardom, Cosmo gets invited to the college football awards show to have a dance-off with Puddles the Duck, Oregon's mascot. Who can't dance remotely close to as well as Puddles is really cute. Cosmo's really awesome. Yeah. Cosmo's legit. The best mascot in college athletics. It's not, in our biased opinion, this is a true fact. Yes. Number two, last Saturday, Cosmo goes viral with the three-point dunk. A little help from the dunk team. He pulled off this crazy dunk. Whee! He went viral. He's like 25 feet in the air. This was unbelievable. He's launched from the three-point line. He's above the backboard when he catches the ball. This was Amazing. <laughs> what is it? Cats always land on their this. feet? Is that, is that what it is? Yes, they do. I, I guess ETI, technically he, he, he still landed on his feet first. Barstool, right? Sports Illustrated, ESPN, Sports, and all those accounts tweeted this video. This is Bro. wild. Oh, so good. So cool. And at number one, October 7, 2017, one of the most famous mascot dance videos to ever hit the interwebs Cosmo and the Cougarettes. On the football field at Lavelle Edwards Stadium, once again, another epic dance routine. It became uh, a national news story. The Michael Jackson move is my favorite in there. Oh, my goodness. Cosmo in this situation went from, like, really good, impressive to the best. That's when it happened. Absolutely. This was the routine that got so popular that AO and Tail were like, then hey, we, they we want to be involved with and this. And then that blew up. And then this three-point thing. He had done it before, by the way, in two. 
or 99 or 2000 against UNLV. That's right. Mitch That's Harper right. tweeted out yesterday. I didn't realize that. Okay, we've been talking about special things. Cosmo is a special mascot. Oh, absolutely. He's in Amazing. the mascot Hall of Fame. Love Cosmo. It's it's done. Ugh. Okay, let's 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 make it official. Is is there a mascot Hall of Fame? There is. I don't know. He's at the top of the list. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Our second guest of the day just set a record for BYU women's track and field She's in legit. the pole vault, which is amazing and quite honestly kind of scary for I'm me when I think death. about yeah. that. Okay, Elise Romney is her name. She's the real elite Romney on campus. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks. It's great to have you. We've been saying that Baylor uh, uh, Romney is your husband, not the other way. Exactly. Right? Yes. 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 He You're is the primary figure. The husband of Elise of Romney. Of Elise Romney. Yes. Yeah. You say her full That's name. That's what we're going to say in the fall, too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. See that kid play? Yeah. That's, That's Elise, Elise Romney's, Romney's husband. husband. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you cool with that? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, Let's hear the backstory. How'd you guys meet and how'd you end up at BYU? Um, we actually, the very first time we met was at a youth conference um, right before my sophomore year of high school. His uh, family just moved from Mexico and he was in a cowboy hat, big boots <laughs> on, you know, belt buckle. And I was like, he's kind of cute. Maybe. <laughs> so that's how it started. The country boy, exactly. Baylor Romney. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you end up going on a mission. And then yeah. when you get married, both at, when you're at BYU? Yeah, we actually left on our missions the same day. Wow. Um, I went, thankfully, to the New Zealand MTC, and he was in Provo. So I got home about four months before him. He followed me to BYU. You're welcome that he's here. It's, mm-hmm. it's my, it's my uh, We owe you. Yeah, exactly. For BYU beating Boise State, we owe you. Absolutely. Because he had uh, committed out of high school to Nick Rolovich in Nevada exactly. as the OC. Mm-hmm. So he came to BYU, we thought. For other reasons, but you were a big reason. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. The reason, maybe? <laughs> maybe. Okay. That's awesome. Um, let's talk about you, and then we'll talk about kind of the fall with Bailey there. But you, you set the pole vault record. What, what was your high before this? Because I was looking at your records before. This seemed like it was uh, a stretch. A little uh, out of the blue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was awesome. So last year at regionals, I jumped 417, which is about 13 feet, 8 inches. So this is like 5 inches higher. This is 431, right? 431. Mm-hmm. Which is 14 feet, uh, 1 inch and like 3 quarters or something yeah, like that? Yeah, something around, okay. around that. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. <laughs> okay, so at what point were you like, this is going to be a good jump? Um, when I was relaxed. I, I told myself, because it was my third attempt, which I usually kind of freak out about, you know, this is my last chance. Um. I just decided, you know, let's let's relax and just like execute everything that I've been practicing for, you know, the past eight years. <laughs> so, at what point are you realizing I did it? Um, right there. You, you right as my chest comes over the bar, I knew that it was going to stay on. <laughs> and what are the emotions like in that moment? Um, absolute relief. I've been dreaming of breaking the school record, jumping over fourteen feet, basically since I got here, and. I honestly thought it was going to happen a little sooner. <laughs> so I, I just, to have it, you know, my senior year at this meet that I wasn't honestly really excited about in the, be- in the beginning, um, it was just relief. <laughs> Why weren't you excited about the meet? Um, Boise, I, I just haven't had great experiences at that meet before. Mm. Um, but that's not to say that anything can't happen, you know. So I just had to have a better attitude about it. <laughs> 
What what got you into pole vaulting? Because there's a certain amount of crazy associated with jumping into the air, launching yourself. A lot could go wrong, right? Totally. But tons of practice goes into that. Um, yeah. So I, I did track through middle school. They didn't offer pole vault, you know, as a seventh and eighth grader. I did sprints and long jump. And then I came to high school and I was like, hey, that looks awesome. I want to try that. And they let me, and I was terrible. And then, you know, you just keep working at it. And I think I have some crazy in me. My family loves extreme sports. Um, my dad's a, a crazy skier, helicopter skiing every year, you know, just Whoa, kind of wow. in my blood to, to have a thrill. So. Okay, first There's of all, a little bit of crazy. Yeah. it's a wise decision to never let any 7th and 8th grader try a pole vault. Okay, can we just make that like a rule, a, a it law? It really should be. <laughs> okay, so you see this. Um, what was it like first time you, you were jumping? You said you were terrible. So at what point were you like, okay, I'm actually pretty good at this? Um, I think by the end of my first year, I had managed to like jump 10-6. And I was like, okay, like maybe I could be good at this because I was – it was just the speed and the fearlessness that, that my coach saw in me. That was the only potential that he really could see. Other than that, it was kind of not great. <laughs> and then BYU comes calling when they see that you're, you're doing well? Or how, how did that and, happen? And I want to ask you about that because you were recruited by UCLA and Arizona State, Arkansas, Texas A&M. So why BYU? Um, so, yeah, my senior year I kind of blew up. Um, it took me a while to jump really well. BYU was kind of talking to me the year before, um, but – I jumped like a foot and a half higher my senior year. Whoa. Um, so I was kind of late to the recruiting game, but I just, I messaged BYU and I was just like, hey, I, I, this is what I've jumped. I'd, I'd be interested. And so from there, it kind of snowballed into all these other schools. BYU was kind of my first choice because of my brothers, but also I wanted to serve a mission and that was a big factor. So your brothers went to BYU? All three older brothers went to BYU. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So there was a history there. That's cool. Okay, mm-hmm. so you're part of a power couple. This was dubbed by Tom <laughs> Homo on social yes. media. I tweeted it before <laughs> Tom. I oh, wanna, okay. I want to Jerem Jordan need the credit. initiated, and then Tom hopped right, on board Tom. for that. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> what's that dynamic like when you have awkward travel schedules and you're halfway across the country and Baylor's got a football game? How do you balance that? Um, I think just – having trust in each other, um, knowing that we're both comp- super driven people um, and letting the other person chase their dreams for the short time that we can. Um, definitely just communicating, FaceTiming, all that kind of stuff, but understanding each other is kind of the base of, it, base of it. And walk us through what the fall was like for him because he starts in this battle for third place and then he, or third string, and then mm-hmm. he ends up starting – uh, you know, the Boise State game, which was arguably the biggest win of the year. And coming in and yeah. beating Utah State yeah. and then Liberty. Yeah, um, he was stoked when he got the opportunity. Um, and he's he's just the most humble person even, you know, when it's just us, he's he's still humble and he's still talking great things about all of his teammates. Um, and so he's just, he's a good example to me of hard work and, and perseverance, even when it doesn't seem like, you know, it's going to work out. So Who's the better athlete then? Me, yeah. I, I was going to say, I think it's you, right? <laughs> He's not jumping 431. He's, listen, Come on. Track and field athleticism is different than football. No, it's so true. It's so yeah. true. I'm pretty sure Baylor, um, if he stared a lion in the face, he would have no emotion. Like, is he, yeah. like, is he as chill in real life as he is on the field? Um, yeah, he is. Sometimes he gets a little excited, I'm going to say, but it's, it's rare. He's mostly a chill person. Hmm. 
I know how to push his buttons. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> Does he still wear a cowboy hat and boots? Absolutely ever? not. No, oh, I, I try to. That. Yeah, I try to get him to. Actually, this we is did why dress I up. fell in love with you. That was the Put on the cowboy boots. That was the Mormon colonies kid, right? Yeah, 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 that was him. We did dress up as rednecks a few years ago for Halloween, and okay. that was that was the last time I think he put on cowboy boots. That's awesome. But. And and uh, Tate, your uh, brother-in-law, signed with BYU yeah, he, last week. That's he's cool. an all-star. He's going to be great. You guys are lucky. Awesome. Okay, rank the brothers right now. Um, oh, <laughs> that's really difficult. <laughs> what's, uh, you don't have to do that. What's, what's next for you? Um, what's the next meet? I have Texas Tech Lubbock this weekend. Um, that's going to be some good competition. Some of the best girls in the nation are going to be jumping there with me. And then after that, MPSF, which is kind of our indoor conference meet in two weeks. So And, and keep... Literally raising the bar and trying yes. to set a new school record, uh-huh. I assume. That's the that's the goal, hopefully. Awesome. <laughs> Wild. Okay. Well, you've so already, cool. you've already hit that mark. Um, a- after BYU, do you have future aspirations, or is is this kind of like uh, this is is this it for you? Um, I I, I kind of feel like I need to see where the rest of the season plays out. Um, this this jump isn't really a contender at all for Olympics or anything like that. Um, but say seven or eight more inches, and I might be. Wow. Okay. About. Let's keep going. And you're, yeah. you're what, a redshirt sophomore or a junior? I'm actually a senior. Oh, yeah. you're a senior? Yeah. Okay. So I did one year before uh, Baylor graduated high school, went on the mission, came back, and I haven't taken a redshirt at all. So this gotcha. is four years, yep. And will outdoor be your senior year as well? Yeah. Okay, so this is it. Okay. Well, we look forward to uh, another school record down Hopefully. the line. Yes. <laughs> okay, nice well, we we would like Let's the record setter to sign our Sailor yeah. King flag. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation oh, awesome. karma, some good vibes for yeah. Texas Great. Tech as well. Thanks for coming in. The best athlete in the Romney family. <laughs> that inclu- hey, Gunner and Tate, that includes you as well. <laughs> this is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. We welcome in on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline a man who has been on the program a number of times, friend of BYU Sports Nation, college basketball stats guru Ken Pomeroy. Ken, how's your basketball consumption rate these days? It's it's pretty healthy, fellas. Uh, Actually, just to give you an example, last night uh, I closed the evening by watching Long Beach State at Hawaii. Uh, the live feed from the Hawaii website. So it was a, it was a 10 p.m. <laughs> mountain tip. And uh, I, it was all I could do to not tweet to the world about a uh, strategic blunder that Hawaii head coach Aran Ganat made at the end of the game. I, that's, how, that's how plugged in I am right now. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty good. Big West hoops, right? <laughs> Absolutely, legit. yeah. It's legit. Uh, BYU certainly in a, it's one of its best spots. It's been since Jim Fredette in 2011, uh, all the way up to number 16 in Ken Palm right now. Uh, we always ask you this, but remind the people what goes into your ranking on KenPom.com. Yeah, it's uh, taking every team that uh, taking taking every team's offensive and defensive efficiency for the season. So the points they score per possession, points they allow per possession. We're removing the pace that they play at, so we're not getting influenced by just bulk points scored if they play at a fast pace or few points allowed if they play at a slow pace. Uh, and we are adjusting that for the strength of the competition, when the game was played, where the game was played, all that good stuff. There's a few other goodies there to try to handle uh, runaway scoring margins and things like that and just really get the essence of how good a team should be going forward. 
So BYU up to 16. What have you noticed in terms of the difference from a BYU team in the last four years that hasn't made the NCAA tournament to one that will make the NCAA tournament this year? Well, for the most part, it starts on the offensive end. Their offense has just been elite this year. I'm ranked fifth in the country uh, in terms of adjusted offensive efficiency. Uh, and, you know, that starts with really the three-point shooting, the shooting in general. Uh, three-point shooting obviously tops in the country, but shooting in general has been great. Then uh, they don't commit turnovers, and they just rely on those two things pretty much solely offensively, and it has worked out really, really well. The defense has been good. It's ranked 76. That's pretty much in line with if you look at like a six, seven-year average for the team past few years. Pretty normal. But the offense has really taken off and uh, and just been explosive. Ken, when you look at the numbers, we're talking about all of the things BYU is doing well. Where do the Cougars need to make an improvement uh, to make this season a special one? Well, I, I do think it's the, the defensive end. You know, when you look at – uh, the games that they've struggled offensively, you know, especially against quality opponents, and their schedule's been kind of weird because they haven't, you know, they haven't. There's this gap. They play, they've either played, you know, the, the best teams in the country, or then the next level is is maybe a little bit further down. But when they have played the best teams in the country, and they've struggled offensively, you know, the defense hasn't really been able to keep them in games uh, or allow them to win games, and that's really the issue. You know, I, I always focus on the two point percentage defense because that's really how defense works, I think. You know, it's inside out. If you can't stop people at the rim or in the paint, then you don't really have much chance of, of being an elite defense. And that's where the Cougars have struggled. They're ranked 215th in the country right now in two-point percentage defense, uh, allowing 54 or 50.4% of two-pointers to be made. And um, they'll have to get better at that. If they can improve that, then, then things get, get really exciting. Not that they aren't exciting right now, but uh, that would be taking things to the next level. Five games left in the regular season. BYU predicted to win four of those five. Uh, the one is Gonzaga, who is the number two team in the country, uh, at least in the coaches' poll or the AP poll. Yet you have that as a two-point game, and BYU with a 43% chance to win. Why do you think that game's going to be close in Provo? Well, I think we can start with the fact that the game is in Provo. That is a, that's a big big plus. Uh, it's, uh, it, I mean, it's a really exciting matchup. Uh, both of these teams, you know, Gonzaga is really similar to BYU in terms of like the makeup of the team statistically. They're just better at just about everything, as you might imagine. Uh, Gonzaga's offense is, is ranked first in the country. Their defense is 33rd. So like BYU, they're driven by their offense. They're just, their offense is better. Their defense is a little better. Um, they're the rare offense that does everything well. So, you know, we talk about BYU basically just depending on shooting and, and not committing turnovers. Well, Gonzaga does that, but they also get offensive rebounds. They have a really big front line, as usual. They draw a bunch of fouls, and so um, so they're a, they're a handful. But yeah, playing in Provo, I think, is the the big equalizer. Obviously, having Yoli Child this time around is uh, a big help as well. I mean, those two factors are enormous. And I think the one difference between these two teams is the three point shooting. Gonzaga is a good three point shooting team. They just don't take a lot of threes because their lineup is a little more traditional in terms of playing a couple of bigs on the court. Uh, BYU, obviously, a high-volume three-point shooting team. And whenever you have that, uh, there's the chance to have a, a really good offensive night. And so um, so it's gonna, I think it's going to be a really fun game. You know, up-tempo game. Gonzaga plays really up-tempo. Uh, should be a high-scoring 
should be a close affair with a, a lot of point scores. I'm really looking forward to it. Ken, I'm putting on the blue goggles uh, when I ask this question, but let's go there. How would a hypothetical win over Gonzaga impact BYU's standings in your rankings? Yeah, it just depends on how the game plays out. I mean, so we just established that uh, I'm anticipating a close game. So I think that's one thing to keep in mind is that if it is a close game, then there wouldn't be much change in the ratings. Uh, home court advantage matters, and uh, if BYU is the, to win a two-point game, uh, they might get a small bump. But, uh, again, it wouldn't be a huge surprise, at least in, in, in my system. I mean, if they won the game uh, the way Gonzaga won the game, and so can, then it's a different story, and, you know, you could see – uh, BYU move up into the top 10 or so. I mean, these teams are pretty bunched up, you know, once you get past uh, really the top four teams, top five teams in the country, you know, things get bunched up from six through 20. So uh, depending on whether that holds or not, uh, a dominant win can really kind of propel you up the rankings uh, maybe a bit more significantly than you might think. With the numbers, who sticks out individually, Ken? For the Cougars, well, uh, I mean, certainly Yoli Childs, I think his impact, uh, when you look at the numbers, his impact, you know, obviously scores a lot. He, you know, he's a great rebounder. But when you break down kind of the advanced stats, his usage, what we call his usage, is really high. So he's the guy that, uh, you know, ends up with the, the ball in his hand at, at, at the end of the possession uh, way more often than any other Cougar. And uh, he's been, you know, pretty efficient in that role. But uh, just the fact that he uh, has the ball so often and they trust him so much really just opens things up for the guys on the perimeter and – so I think if you're talking about, you know, who is the most important Cougar, uh, it, it would be Yoli from that standpoint. I mean, you don't need the advanced stats, I guess, necessarily to back it up. But, uh, you know, you just look at, obviously, what they've done without him on the floor and with him on the floor. And, you know, you just look at the record and, and you get that impression. But it really, you know, it, the, the, the guys on the perimeter, I think, have to really appreciate the fact that the opposing defenses have to figure out, you know, are we going to deal with Yoli or not? If they don't, then he has a big day. And if they do, then... Uh, the shooters get a lot more open shots, and that's a big reason why BYU you know, shot the ball so well from three-point range. Ken, you've seen BYU play in person a couple of times this year. How would you explain them to somebody that hasn't seen them? Uh, well, uh, they're a really fun team to watch, uh, certainly from the offensive standpoint. The offense is just really dynamic with uh, you know usually three guys on the floor that uh, – can handle the ball like uh, a point guard pretty much and can all shoot it at an elite level. Um, so when you start with that, uh, you're just going to have a good offense regardless of who else is on the floor. But then, you know, you throw in a, a guy like Child who uh, is a, a really interesting player from the standpoint that he may not be uh, the most vertical player, the most bouncy player, I guess. But, you know, he's very good at finishing around the rim. You know, he's just got a number of tricks. He's very skilled terms of getting the ball to the rim and and uh, has a nice touch and uh so offensively it's uh it's a very fun team to watch and you know as we, as we pointed out defensively a little more limited but uh, it's a team that can clearly uh go pretty far just with his offense alone you always played three of the top four teams in the country in net that lines up with uh, your rankings as well as well in kansas gonzaga and san diego state BYU 0 for three in those games they'll get a shot at gonzaga do you have an opinion outside of your numbers? Do you think Kansas is the best team because your numbers say that, or do you also think that? I do also think that, yeah. There's, there's not really a – I mean, who would be that challenger, I guess? You could maybe throw San Diego State in there or Baylor, and those are, are worthy challengers. Uh, Duke, I think, would be in that mix, but Kansas just seems to be like a, 
a step ahead right now, you know, 10 and one in the big 12, which is still uh, maybe not as good of a conference as we've seen the last three or four years, but still a really good conference. I have it ranked second uh, in the country among conferences. So uh, a 10 and one mark, which includes two wins over West Virginia is pretty impressive. You know, just the road loss to Baylor so far. And their other two losses are, uh, you know, one point road loss to Villanova. And then the, the season opener, a two point loss against Duke on a, on a neutral floor. So, uh, the resume is as good as you'll see, and I just think the way they're playing in the Big 12 play is uh, about as, as good as we've seen this year as well. It's just a team that depends on its defense a little bit more. They play at a slow pace, so it's really you know an ugly brand of basketball. It's not something that's appealing to the <laughs> eye, but the results uh, the results are pretty good, fellas. So I don't think the fans mind too much. Yeah, not not quite like the enjoyment of watching BYU play. That's for sure. Uh, Ken, how's the website traction during this February frenzy of college basketball? Uh, it's pretty good. You know, I can't complain at all about that. It's, uh, the people are, are interested in my work for usually, you know, maybe not complimentary all the time, but they are interested. And so, uh, <laughs> so, uh, bad publicity is, is publicity, I guess. No, I don't know. It, it's got, you know, it's always going well. I'm always thankful for, uh, the fact that, uh, people do care about my work. That's, uh, more than I could ever imagine when I started the site. So, uh, so it's pretty cool this time of year to see how many people are interested in it. KenPalm.com if you want to get in on that and go next level. Great to talk to you, my friend. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Ken Pomeroy on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why. We show how. I go to his website literally every day. Every day. Literally every day. Yes. Uh, once we turn New Year's and we're digging in hard. It's, it, that's one of the metrics the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee uses to evaluate teams. So. That's awesome. It's like BYU. the ultimate validation, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, when your rating matters, like we're paying attention to Someone's that. going, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I look forward to that one day with the show. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Maybe you heard the first 18 times we mentioned it, but in case you didn't, 18, nice. BYU basketball made a school record 18 three-pointers in a dominating win over LMU. It's Valentine's Day. We loved it so much, we wanted to show you every single three-point make. Bang! Yoli to the right wing to TJ Haas. Starts to the baseline, terminates, goes out to Jake. Jake pulls, fires, and scores from three. Nixon to the cutter, Childs to the corner, A.B. Shoots a three and scores it. Alex Beautiful. Barcelo, T.J., stumbled after he took the inbounds into a contested three, and he got it to go! Maybe of that's course. the spark! How does that go for T.J. Haas? To the right-hand dribble, a high screen set. T.J., uh, Jake refusing it, and shoots the three over it and scores it. Jake Toulson for three, and BYU once again up four for the second time tonight. And open beneath the basket is Gavin Baxter. Waits, waits, goes up, and he's blocked. The ball rebounds out to Harding in the left corner, and he makes the three. Gavin Baxter blocked beneath the basket. Somehow it ends up with Connor Harding shooting and making a wide-open three left corner. Harding right wing TJ gets a screen, a pick and pop by Harding. The three from Haas is good. TJ right wing three. The Cougars have their sixth three. Yoli from the right block out to AB for three, and that's good. Alex Barcelo, three-pointer left side. And the lead goes from three to six, and BYU's still banging the threes right now. It's seven for 18. Rebound, Nixon. It's a reset for BYU. Well done to TJ. Open is AB for three. He got to go in the right corner. BYU three on two. Barcelo won't take the transition triple, but TJ will, after a fake, the take and the score. 
TJ Haas gives BYU a 16-point lead now, 47-31. to Toulson touch pass AB for three. He missed it. Rebound Nixon again. Reset TJ for three. He You're got welcome. it! TJ Haas knocks down the triple. Toulson hounded by Johansson. Some hand fighting there. Behind the back drop off by Jake to Zach for three. And that's good! Zach Salius for three in the Cougars by 20-plus for the first time tonight. BYU down floor, leading it by 20. Transition triple for Zach! <laughs> He's feeling an eight straight for Zach Salius. Another three back-to-back triples in BYU by 23. AB harassed to Baxter. Fakes the three. Open three right side. Connor takes it and makes it! Off the rim, the Wait. top of the backboard and in. It drops. And that, the Cougars will take it. That looked like it was going over the backboard, spun on top, and went in. TJ up front to Dalton in front court. Again to Hawes as he crosses the timeline. Open for three is A.B. And he got it to go again! A.B. for three yet again! Slow to Yo. Yo off a double to A.B. in the right corner. Takes it again. Makes it again! Man, Alex five. Marcello, five for seven from three! B up top, left wing Celius. It's cycled in the corner to Connor Harding, and he knocks down the three. That's three number 16. Connor Harding to A.B. for three. Again! <laughs> Six! Alex Marcello extends his personal record. Evan Troy for three. And oh, there it is! Evan. There it is! For the first time in BYU basketball history, it's 18 threes in a game. 18 triples has never been done until tonight. How 18 three-pointers. How awesome was that? That was outstanding. All 18. Yes. If you were counting it, if and you're scoring Valentine's Day heart transition yeah. coming out of it. That's, uh, that's nice. So good. Blaze Neal got credit for that last three. LMU, what's up with that? It was Evan Troy. It was Evan Troy. It was so Evan Troy. Can we, can we get that corrected? Can we get that corrected? That's funny. 18, man. Oh, so so uh, Greg mentioned it last night on the radio broadcast. Twice BYU had made 17 threes before this season in history. The history of BYU basketball. Three times this year, 17. And then last night, 18. This is the best three-point shooting team, undoubtedly, in BYU history. It's wild. And it's so fun to watch. Remember my theory? I've said we should be the best shooting team in the country because uh, Mormons have gyms and churches. <laughs> Like, shouldn't we be the best shooting group of people in the United States or even the world? Happy Valentine's Day. Merry Christmas. Thank you. I love you, gyms. Yes. I mean, cultural halls Mm -hmm. in churches. Carpet floors, it doesn't matter. Yeah, the short court transit. (laughs) You get a rebound, you turn, shoot a three at the other end. Yeah. No, it's, it's fun to see, like, the annex paying off. The, the right guys are shooting threes. The scheme is working. BYU shares the ball. It's just fun to watch, man. The culture. I love it. The culture shift is incredible. We are now exactly 30 days until Selection Sunday. Go. So beginning today, we will update the BYU basketball tournament resume and all the nitty-gritty specifics with every passing episode of BYU Sports Nation. It's nice to be in the mix. And BYU is in, baby. In the most important overall metric, the net rankings. BYU jumps up three spots from 24 to 21. That's that's awesome. Now, you could argue that BYU should be like a 4 or 5 seed based on net, right? 21. Why is, B, why is BYU a 7? BYU's 15 in Kempom. Why a 7? I want to know. Uh, BPI, 17. Strength to record, 34. Sagarin, 27. KPI, 39. These are the metrics used to evaluate teams. Net is the sorting tool, and it has its own information that goes into it. Efficiency for both teams. Margin. 
uh, strength of schedule, and so on. Net is the number one. Why is BYU a seven if they're 21 there? Now, Tell this is interesting because BYU beats LMU last night, a team that has no resume. They are terrible. And BYU jumps up three spots in the net rank because they're more efficient. It's possessions per one hundred. It's uh, you know, or sorry, points allowed per one hundred possessions. Well, that and BYU typically the teams that BYU has beaten have helped the Cougars a lot this season. Their wins seem to become more and more. Some quality. of them, yeah. yeah, not all of them. We want Virginia Tech to be a quad one. That's a quad two. Utah drops last night to a quad two after they lose to the Fighting Peyton Dastrips of Oregon State. So BYU two and four in quad ones. That's enough. That's enough games and enough wins. And then 3-3 three and three in Quad 2. BYU is yet to lose a Quad 3 or Quad 4. 14-0 in those. Uh, upcoming games that matter. Gonzaga certainly one that could boost the resume next Saturday. Pepperdine is a Quad 2 now since Colby Ross made a buzzer beater against San Diego last night to win for Pepperdine. And then BYU has two Quad 3s uh, left. So two Quad 1 and Quad 2 of the four left, which is good. Opportunities exist. Semifinals against St. Mary's. That'll be a Quad 1. Gonzaga, if BYU wins that, that's a quad one. So opportunities to climb higher than a seven right now. BYU remains a seven seed, as we pointed out earlier, in Joe Lenardi's latest bracketology, taking on 10 seed Purdue and St. Louis. If that were an actual matchup, I would love it, for the record. But obviously things are going to be very, very fluid until Selection Sunday. In Bracket Matrix, BYU is in all 79 of the brackets listed today with an average seed of 7.72. Why? If BYU's 21 in net, why are they a 7? The high is a 6. The high was 7 yesterday. The low is a 10. So they're zeroing in. Why is BYU in. not like a, like a 6? Why is not BYU firmly a 6? If they beat St. Mary's... Is it, is it Sunday play? If they beat St. Mary's, yeah. they will be a 6 seed. Six would be the best possible situation, in my opinion. And by say, when I say beat St. Mary's, I mean in the West Coast Conference tournament. Yes. A six would be dope. You play an 11, you're playing a three or a 14. BYU can match up with a three. If Let's BYU go. beats Gonzaga and then beats St. Mary's in Vegas, then we kind of inch toward that five seed. And then line. Gonzaga in Vegas! Woo! Holy cow. Hey, 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 six or seven, Jerem, would be awesome. Oh, six or seven, great. Eight or nine? Oh, I'm I'm ticked up. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Oh, how sweet it is would be for BYU basketball. Listen to this from ESPN college basketball insider and expert Jay Billis, who has BYU at number 28 in his latest rankings. And I quote, the Cougars are senior dominated, and that's always a difficult proposition for opponents in March. With Yoli Childs up front and TJ Haas and Jake Toulson in the backcourt, the Cougars are going to the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2015 and have a good chance to do some damage once they get there. Billis has BYU as a potential Sweet 16 contender. We want to know what you think. Join us on the topic by voting on the following question at vote.byutv.org. We'll have live results throughout the show. And, Jerem, do you agree with Jay Billis? Is BYU a Sweet 16 contender? Probably, yeah. Uh, seven seniors, number one three-point shooting team in the country, third in uh, total field goal, you know, overall field goal percentage, second in effective. BYU shoots the ball well. They played really well this year. Has BYU lost some games they should have won? Sure. Has BYU played some tough competition to give us an idea of whether they could hang with 
uh, some of the best in the country. BYU has played three games against top four teams in the net, and BYU played a tight one with San Diego State. The other two weren't close at all with Gonzaga and Kansas. So yes and no, right? Um, it depends on the matchup. If BYU's in an 8-9 um, and you match up with a San Diego State type, yeah, BYU could hang in that game and perhaps upset them. But against a Kansas or Gonzaga type, probably not. That's what we've learned so far. Granted, that was a while ago. San Diego State was game two. Without Kansas Yoli Childs. game five or six. Without right? Yoli Childs. Right, yeah. Gonzaga without, without Yoli, Yoli Childs. Childs. <laughs> so I, I think if BYU's not an 8-9, yeah, because you don't want to play the one. But if BYU is something else... Certainly, and it has everything to do with the sense of urgency that BYU has, with the culture that the coaching staff has cultivated, and the fact that BYU can shoot the lights out. That means you can be in any game, because if BYU continues to shoot the way they're shooting and have double-digit threes every game and shoot 46.2% to lead the country, yes, they can be in any game. Yet, if BYU wins one game, I'm happy in the NCAA tournament. If BYU makes it to a Sweet 16, then this is exactly what Yoli Childs would have prophesied when he came back, which is, we will make this a special season, and that certainly would be very special. When you look at seedings and matchups, those to me are the most important things when you get into the NCAA tournament. Like, sometimes there are just bad matchups for basketball teams. Look at BYU with Jimmer Fredette and Jonathan Tavernari and Noah Hartsock. When they played Texas A&M in that 8-9 game, it was a terrible matchup for BYU. just didn't work. So if BYU gets a favorable matchup, avoid the 8-9 game. A 7 seed, a 10 seed, heck, an 11 seed. What is it with the 11 seeds making these magical runs? George Mason does it in 2006. Loyola Chicago does it as an 11 seed. Look VCU at the, did it. VCU, look at the road. 11 beats a 6, and then... Beats a 3. Beats a 3 or a 14. I think in one of those instances, a 14 had beaten a 3. They get to the Sweet 16. Now you believe you're on a roll. You're making shots. Why not? It's, confidence is an amazing thing. So it's about seedings and matchups if BYU is to go on this magical run in the NCAA tournament. I don't think BYU is going to fall to as low as an 11 or 12 seed. Yeah, I don't think so either. At this juncture, it's probably a 7 seed, somewhere between at best 6 and at worst an 8 or a 9, hoping BYU avoids a bad loss and can beat St. Mary's in a West Coast Conference semifinal, likely, if it comes to that, and just maybe bump up to a 6 seed, stay on that 7 seed line. But BYU is capable of beating a 10 seed and then – who knows against a two or a three seed the way that BYU shoots the ball. It's about seedings and matchups at this point. The worst possible scenario is if BYU gets an eight or nine. Oh, that would be the worst. It's an even matchup, and then you play a one. Yeah, and not to say oh, that BYU isn't on. capable of hanging with a one seed, right? You just talked about Here's BYU having hanging play. in this situation. It's winning or not. Seedings and matchups. On to BYU football, and there is a new hope. With this statistic on the horizon, Utah, of all 130 Division I college football teams, returns the least amount of production in the country. They were all in. They've got nine guys in the NFL Combine. Yeah, BYU has zero. Zero. They had eight (laughs) defenders leave the program that are going to be in the NFL next year. And then Zach Zach Moss is the one offensive player. So uh, there is good, maybe, in that BYU is going to be taking on a very unproven team. Jeremy, does you, the fact that Utah returns the least amount of production in the NCAA, 
uh, NCAA make you think that this is the year they end the streak? No. I am jaded beyond belief with the nine-game losing streak. BYU hasn't even accidentally won one. Mm. Just lucked into one. Uh, No, although the stat is very intriguing. Um, Just because you're replacing a bunch of guys doesn't mean the guys behind them suck. And just because you return a bunch of guys doesn't mean they're going to get better. What if your team stunk but you return everyone? That's actually a bad thing. Right, everyone acts like returning starters is is amazing. It's not always amazing. BYU does have something to prove. It's game one. It's on the road. Could BYU win it? Yes. Will I be surprised? Yes, because I feel so <laughs> jaded with this. I just I just don't see it until it happens. And certainly, uh, Utah is at a higher level of recruiting and talent than they've ever been. They're getting guys they wouldn't get normally because they're in the Pac-12. And it's going to be year 10. It's been a whole generation, right, of, of kids that uh, are now going to Utah because they didn't get into USC, but they still want to play in the Pac-12. And Utah is quality. Kyle Whittingham's a great coach, right? Um, does it give me hope? Sure. Do I, does it mean BYU's going to win? No. More than two years ago on this program, I said the best chance for BYU to end the losing streak in the near future is in 2020 because Pull the tape. Utah would lose so much talent. I didn't say they would do it. I said You said they will and you'd shave your head. The best chance <laughs> that BYU has to end the streak is in 2020. It's no mystery that Utah is losing so much talent, but it's in Salt Lake City. And how much do we put stock into Zach Wilson after an up-and-down season last year, although he was coming off shoulder surgery and had a broken thumb? Uh, There are a lot of really interesting factors in this game. Does BYU have more experience, more? Yes, but that doesn't mean they're the better team. Doesn't mean they have more talent, not necessarily. But are they the best team on that day to open the season against what's going to be a young-ish Utah team. So I still think the best chance that BYU has to end the streak is in 2020. I'm not ready to say that it's going to happen. Yeah, and they may not even be young. They could be juniors and seniors. They just haven't played. They haven't started, right? Yeah. By the way, uh, how many days are we away from Utah? Oh, boy. Countdown to the Utes. 206. I love that we've avoided doing this. Uh, There will come a point where it becomes more interesting, but look at that number. We're almost to 200. 206 days away from September 3rd, and Devontae Henry Cole wearing a BYU uniform and returning to his old Mm. stomping grounds. That is an interesting storyline, right? As we kind of get to know him (laughs) and see how good he is and what kind of uh, production he could give BYU. That's a huge storyline, obviously, going into that game in September. BYU's offense is rated fifth best in all the land by Ken Pomeroy. The Cougars boast a top-rated three-point shooting team by percentage, second in effective field goal percentage, and 13th in the country from two-point shooting. It's historic. Jerem, with the numbers that I just presented, would you take this offense this season over the likes of the 2010-2011 Jimmer Fredette-led BYU basketball offense? This is a fun, difficult, unanswerable question, but we'll discuss. Uh, Basically, this boils down to, do you want Jimmer Fredette or do you want five three-point shooters on the court? That's the question. (laughs) And I will always side with Jimmer Fredette. Uh, I will always side with Jimmer. Uh, No, you can't go wrong on this. 
2010-11 had three-point shooters as well. They just didn't shoot it at the same clip as this team. This team is unbelievable. Like, in WCC play, do you know what Alex Marcello is shooting right now? 60%! That is amazing! That is unbelievable, right? Uh, you have multiple guys over 50, a bunch over 40. Oh, do, do you want to spread the floor and do you want to have three-point shooters? Or do you want to have the second greatest player in BYU history? Yeah. Because <laughs> Danny Ainge is the best, okay? And then it's Jimmer. I, I, you can't go wrong on this. In terms of efficiency, that is points per 100 possessions, the offense that BYU has out there now, 1920, uh, it's this team as a team on offense. But if you need a bucket and you need a big shot, Jimmer Fredette. Can I answer this question after the basketball season? <laughs> no. You have to answer in the next two minutes. Yeah, do you want Jimmer Fredette and one of the most exciting time periods in BYU sports history, or do you want balance? Because the team this year has incredible balance. And what's fun about this is teams that do have balance tend to win important games late and high-pressure situations. Jimmer Fredette was an incredible phenomenon, and you lived it in person. Yeah, I, I had to I've watch been to Jimmer's it from, house. I've I been had to, to watch it from twice. a distance. I had to watch Jimmer Fredette do his magical things from a distance in Southern California. So I don't have quite the connection that you do because you you witnessed the game. You were at the San Diego State game when everybody wanted to touch Jimmer Fredette after he went for forty three points. Bro, I was at the Vermont game. There were only a handful of people. Yes, yes, I have this connection, obviously. It's incredible, and I envy you for that. I wish, if there were a time period that I could, like, take the DeLorean back in and back to the mm-hmm. future and go witness a, you can. a, a BYU it. sporting event, there's the Miracle Bowl in 1980, and then there's the Jimmer Fredette San Diego State game. Yeah. I, I would love to be at both I of just those. want to come back from 80 because there was no internet, so I don't want to live in that year. This basketball team this year, with the balance they have is so fun. No hidden agendas. Dave Rose talked about it, and he even compared Jimmer Fredette's senior year to this team, saying it didn't matter who scored. So while Jimmer Fredette scored in it droves... It didn't matter in 2010. While he scored, scored in droves, yeah. I don't think his team really <laughs> cared. There was no animosity that Jimmer Fredette oh, was... Oh, they rode the yeah, train. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. This team is unique in that They'll make the extra pass. It does not matter who scores. Yoli Childs had nine points last night. Did it matter? I, I couldn't he, even told you does that. Does he care? He does not care at all. So I am leaning slightly towards the balance of this team. I just love so much that they don't care at all who scores. That matchup would be really fun to watch. Oh, yeah. Now, if we're talking teams, not offenses, I'm taking 2010-11. Yes, I'm with you there. Because I I'm think they there. have a better defensive team. Yeah, Brandon Davis, Charles Abuo, Noah Hartsock was a good defender. Yes, Logan Magnuson and those guys. I, uh, Jackson Emery. Jackson Emery. Come on. Like, like, I think that would be so fun team, to watch those two go against. I'm with you on the team. Offense, I am giving this you can't go team. Wrong. Just, yeah, it's amazing. You, you can't go wrong. And it's it was awesome to have Jimmer Fredette. That was fun. Um, that 2010-11 team is not losing at Boise State, though. Without Brandon Davies. You know what I mean? Like, without Yoli. Without a star player. Right? Yes. If you're saying without Jim or Fredette, no, that's different. Uh, yeah. But I, I don't think that I mean, team is losing I mean, at the Utah. No, the numbers are, are interesting in that BYU has attempted way less three-pointers as a team this year to this point in the season than Jim or Fredette's team did, and they're making more. I mean, they're the number one three-point shooting yeah, team yeah. in the country the, at 43%. The percentage, yeah. It's all Jimmer about Fredette's year was 36%. They jacked up a lot oh, of threes. And it's a different era. If that team plays now, guess what? 
Jimmer, Jimmer is probably shooting 45% from three. You know what I mean? Like, he's going to shoot more threes. It was a part of the game, but now it's like, BYU made seven twos last night. Seven. seven. They, they, yeah. They scored what? 14 points. I said it on the post game on BYU Radio. I said, this is like pickup in the morning with my old guys just jacking Throw up threes. Up. Except Throw BYU can actually make them. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. The always fabulous Melanie Pearson Day, BYU women's basketball assistant coach. Great to have you back in studio, coach. Thanks. You know, when I got married, I dropped the Pearson, but you could still call me that. Okay. Okay. So you, you don't go with the, <laughs> the hyphen. The, the hyphen. The, okay. It's all right, though. It's on Facebook, you know. So I think people just assume that's uh-huh. what I go with. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, it's good to know that that is now official. Okay. Yeah. So we, I won't make no, that you're... mistake again. <laughs> Holy cow. It's getting heated. Yeah. It's getting heated. Yes, the it heat is. Right yes, it is. <laughs> it's getting awkward. Okay. On Saturday, uh, and I know this is going to carry obvious additional meaning for you, you're preparing for the cancer awareness game, the pink game, where you see so much pink from the fans, uh, from your players in the uniforms. What, what does that mean to you, given your past and being a cancer survivor? Yeah, so um, just battling cancer over the past, gosh, almost seven years now. Um, you know, a few years ago when I was in the midst of my battle, the team did, did a little segment at halftime, um, which was really, you know, I was really honored to have them do that and, and just kind of showed – some stuff that I've been through and through pictures and the video, um, you know, it's a, it's a time to, it's awareness, right? Like there's not one person that doesn't know someone with cancer that's close to them. I mean, more and more I hear it, you know, a bunch of my family members, friends, we all have someone that we know and love that has cancer and that is battling it. So it's, it's just a, a way to, to create awareness for it. And, um, hopefully we can, someday find more cures for for these these cancers how has your battle overcoming cancer how has that shaped who you are as as a mom and you know a wife and a friend and even a coach how has that shaped you now yeah uh don't sweat the small stuff i feel like you know for me personally i feel like i i have a broader perspective now where before I was just so focused in on my little life and what my problems were and and now I'm more compassionate and more empathetic towards people because everyone is going through something and people say this all all the time to me when I was going through chemo and and I was pregnant also and I and then I had to do radiation and all these surgeries and they always tell me I don't know how you did it and I want to say to them you could do it too. Like it's just a every day you're just it's a day to day thing. Like you're just surviving, but it's not like I'm any different or any more special than anyone else. Like we're all given our own problems, and they're they're hard for us individually. And that's just what I was given at that time. But um, it's definitely shaped me to be more compassionate towards people and and what they're dealing with. It, it may not be cancer, but to them, as we see it, like we view cancer as this like. Um, huge, terrible thing, which it is, but other people have like silent 
silent diseases like depression and, and these other things that we don't give as much awareness to. They're struggling. It's not any lower, you know, it's the same to them. So um, it, it's definitely made me more aware of that and, and sensitive towards others in that way. The fabulous Melanie Day with us on BYU Sports Nation. Um, it's incredible that you are in your current position. <laughs> and, um, I mean, you're, you're a walking motivation for a lot of people. And uh, I just want to talk about kind of how you have enjoyed your current position. What's been the most enjoyable part about being on this staff with Jeff Judkins and company? I remember my first day in the office, I, I think I walked down the hall and just made sure everyone was looking. I just yelled out, I can't believe I'm a college basketball coach <laughs> <laughs> after all I've been through. Um, you know, it, it's, it's been a lot of fun to, to, to do this. I mean, I never imagined in a million years I'd, I'd be in this position because I, I just assume that, you know, I have this, I was given a, a certain amount of time to live. And so my thought was I need to be focused on um, my family and my husband, and my kids. And, and this opportunity came and to be honest, it was a very, um, a, a spiritual experience for me to, to, to be here. Uh, felt like this was what I was supposed to do, like a, a calling for me. And um, so I'm trying to make the most of it. Um, it's definitely been a struggle. Uh, I, I remember my coaches growing up would always tell me that they never saw their family and they, they didn't have time for anything because they're so, it was a grind during the season. And I never, I never really gave it much thought and honestly didn't really believe them. But now I believe them. It's a grind. <laughs> it's a grind. Um, and I don't see my family much. Um, but when I am with my family, this is what's different is I try as best I can. I get home and I immediately just sit down and, and we do homework together. We, uh, last night we, there was a wrestling match. We had a wrestling match and, and we played games. I, I'm, not, I'm trying not to be focused on anything else. And, and it's given me that, that focus because of, because of my experience of what I've been through. Um, knowing how important it is to develop relationships with my kids while they're young. How's the team handling the the two losses and now preparing for a really good team in St. Mary's coming yeah. into the Marriott Center? Yeah, St. Mary's right now sits, I mean, they sit kind of fourth place with all the ties in second and third, but kind of seventh place. But uh, they're a scary team. They, they just they beat just Gonzaga. Beat Gonzaga. Yeah. Uh, and when we played that, you know, watching them on film, they're a very different team. It's like playing against five guards. They play five out, and it's not playing a team with a, a big post presence. So it's a little tricky because we do have a post presence, and so figuring out how how do we guard them um, is a little tricky, but then they have to guard us on, on our end. So it, it's a scary game. They're a good team. They're better than, than what shows with their record. Um, They'll be shooting a lot of threes. You'll see that tomorrow night. So we're going to guard that and, and hopefully come out with a win. St. Mary's Thursday night. Uh, they're going to give out pink socks, I yeah. think, uh, to, yeah. the, to the fans that are coming to that game in preparation for Saturday against Pacific. But when you look at the importance of this week and positioning for that second, probable second seed in the West Coast Conference Tournament, uh, how do you not get lost in the pressure of, of a week like this? Yeah, it's something that we've talked about just one day at a time, not even one game at a time. Like today is Wednesday. We're going to focus on getting better today. Um, and something that we, we uh, did on Monday with the, with the team is we, we showed them some clips um, from this, uh, this guy who talks about the next play. 
And so what we've been trying to focus on is, you know, we're going to make mistakes and we want them to know we don't have to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes all game. We're going to miss shots. We're going to have turnovers. It's okay. But the difference is we got to be able to turn that around in one second and get back, get back on defense, you know, dive on the ball. We showed them clips of, uh, of Michael Jordan doing this. Uh, he goes up for a shot, gets blocked, gets back on defense, gets a steal. Then he gets the ball stolen from him. And then he sprints down and blocks the shot for an easy layup. So, <laughs> so you know, it's going to happen all game, but being able to quickly adjust, get over it, forgive yourself, and move on. And so there was one play that happened with our team this year that was so incredible. I wish you guys had the clip. Kaylee Smiler, uh, we get the ball stolen from us. She dives on the floor trying to get it. Doesn't get it. They get Gonzaga's going down the floor, driving it, and then they kick to a three, wide open three. She gets to shoot it, and Kaylee has, by this time, sprinted down the court, and volleyball blocks her shot into the crowd. I'm recalling this play, and it was fantastic. Yes. Yes. So that was the moment where you forgot that, you know, we turned it over. Oh, well, we f- she went on the floor. She didn't just stay there. She got up and sprinted back. And so we want um, them to really understand that. Coach, it's great to have you back in studio. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma yes, for St. Mary's and Pacific. <laughs> Take care of business at home. Let's go. Get to that double buy in Las Vegas. Yes, let's go. Thank so, you, guys. Tell Jenny we said hi. I will. We love Jenny. <laughs> She's so great. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Basketball still happening, but there are other things that are garnering attention on campus. And uh, with that in mind, we take a look back and a look forward at the BYU receivers as we get nearer to spring football. Presented by Tim Daly Nissan. Okay, Jason. Uh, we know what BYU lost in terms of production. Three outstanding seniors, Micah Simon, Aleva Hivo, and Talon Shumway. So a lot of that production goes away. What do the Cougars bring back? Well, and here's the thing. Not just the fact that they were seniors. They were three of your top four receivers for last season. I mean, they represented nine of BYU's 20 TDs last season. Okay. And we're talking about Simon, Shumway, Hifo, as, as you mentioned. This, for me, this is the position I think has the most questions question mark simply because you're bringing in a lot of unproven guys, some of which you just signed. Some of, some of these guys you just signed that are going to be freshmen coming in looking to make a, a splash with this roster. Notably of, Cody Epps, yeah, right? Epps is the one that, uh, that stands out immediately. And this is a guy, obviously, that when, when he signed in the early signing period, the coaching staff was really excited about what he brings. But you've got a lot of young receivers that are going to be coming into this program and and at this point at least at this level have not have not had this type of competition yet. Cody Epps is going to join us on Friday by the way to talk about what he expects to do for BYU football. Miles Davis is another name that comes to mind. But in terms of returners, Jason, there is Gunnar Romney yep. and Dax Milne who have both proven themselves with some tough catches in critical points. I like Milne and Romney I also wonder what Neil Pau is going to bring yep. back to BYU. He was at one point becoming a more proven commodity, had to sit out last year because of some off-the-field issues. But Neil Pau is going to help bolster that depth. And then Jeremy and I talked about yesterday, potentially a playmaker somewhere out there in the grad transfer portal. Or is there a JC guy that's a late signee that can come in and immediately impact this BYU receivers room? Let's also not forget, now, 
he's a tight end. He's not a receiver. But your your leading receiver last year, not in terms of catches, but in terms of yards, was Matt Bushman. Okay, and, so, and he'll take he'll take so, some of the so pressure. What, off. what I'm saying is, having having Matt Bushman at tight end is going to help the receivers significantly. Look, I look at a guy like Gunnar Romney. I look at a guy like Gunnar Romney as I, I think he could be the guy of the receiving core. Why not? And and Dax Mill do. Do you remember Dax Milne had two of the Dax, best catches of the entire season? Look, both of those guys are unbelievable. And, and both of them, I, I think, not only will have more opportunities, but I think they both go into this and say, okay, we, we've lost. Look, the three seniors we've lost, that was a big part of our, of, of our production last year. This is an opportunity for us to really step forward and, and make a mark on this program. And I think both of those guys are more than capable of doing that. But the, the guys around them, the depth behind it, that's where you get into it being very, very young and unproven. Yeah, Keanu Hill is another interesting name to keep an eye on. Uh, the coaches are really high on him. Didn't see a ton of field time. But what can Keanu Hill do as he steps in to join the likes of Pau and Milne and Romney? Um, it's going to be a fun group to watch. And it, you kind of feel like maybe Zach Wilson and company will throw the ball more to Matt Bushman early in the season just because it's going to take a little bit of time for some of these younger guys to work their way in. Well, let's, and let's not overlook the fact that you do have Zach Wilson now in year three. Now, now maybe not in terms of the number of games because he's missed some with injury. Uh, but he's going to be healthy, but right? He, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, having a guy like that at quarterback will certainly help receivers that maybe need to get up to speed a little bit, maybe uh, advance a little bit further faster. Yeah, this to me is the story of the offseason, for sure, is the quarterback, Zach Wilson, what he can do not being injured in the offseason, and the receivers that he's going to work with. I'm fascinated by all this spring football just a couple of weeks away. Let's play something or nothing. Ah, yes. And with that, we welcome in Benjamin Bagley. What does this all mean, Ben? Something or nothing? Well, that's 0 for 2 for you today. Spencer on names. It's just Ben. Okay. okay. So, all right. Me and Melanie Day both correcting you there. Hey, <laughs> uh, qu- <laughs> number one, BYU football to face three teams this season with new head coaches. Is it something or nothing? I will say it's something. Look, I mean, when you go through, and, and we've seen this with BYU in recent years, when you go through a, a new coach, you've, you've got new coaches coming in and new schemes and new situations, and it takes it takes a team time to learn that. So if you can catch some of these teams as they're going through that transition process, that could, that could work out really good for BYU. So I think it is something. I think it matters more in the early part of the season. And I got on my soapbox when Mike Riley went from Oregon State to Nebraska. BYU won that game. I got on my soapbox when Kevin Sumlin went to Arizona yep. in 2018. BYU won that game. And I think BYU is going to beat Michigan State with their new head coach. Hashtag the buffs are angry. Yes, they are very Good upset. Grief. Uh, Mizzou and San Diego State, I, I like that all three of these games are in Provo. Too. Yes, that helps. Advantage BYU. So, yeah, there's definitely something there for me. Number two. BYU hoops sitting four out of the top 25. We're 29th, something or nothing. There is something there. When was the last time BYU was receiving votes? I, I can't even remember. And the last time BYU was ranked or relevant for that matter, was Jimmer's senior year. This is the best BYU basketball team that has 
graced the campus together collectively since Jimmer Fredette played here. There is something there. BYU's four spots out of the top 25, Jason, and where it matters most, they're in the top 25, the net rankings and the Ken Palm ratings. Yeah, this, this is something. BYU's getting the attention, and they're getting the attention because they've got big wins on the road, at home, against good programs. So the fact that they are getting that recognition and that close to the top 25, and who knows what could happen with, with a couple more games left in the regular season to maybe get in the top 25, that absolutely is something. Number three. Former Saints special teams coach Mike Westhoff telling CBS Sports Radio Taysom Hill throws a better ball than league MVP Lamar Jackson. Something or nothing. I love this as much as the next BYU fan. Jason, there's nothing there for me. One, it's a Saints coach who loves Taysom Hill, and it's a special teams coach. So Taysom Hill's his guy. Why do you hate special teams coaches? And Lamar Jackson just won the league MVP, apparently not having... The ability to throw yeah. a great ball. Yeah. There's nothing there well, for me. Well, look, you and I are on the exact same page. This would hold more weight if it were an opposing coach saying this about Taysom. Yes. But the fact, like, you could just brush it away because it's it's a homer, because it would be a guy from the Saints saying it. I I, I love Taysom, but let's, let's slow things down a little bit on that. And, look, I agree with you. We're talking about the league MVP. Lamar Jackson is, is not known for throwing the football, but... He threw for over 3,100 yards, uh, whoa. 66% completion, 36 TDs, and only six INTs. That's just, impressive. Just come on. He's the league MVP. Yeah. It's, what, what, what defines a better ball? Like, well, the spiral's a little tighter. Yep. Yeah, that's what it is. It's all come about on. the uh, spiral. All yeah. right. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Joining us in Studio B, the head baseball coach at Brigham Young University, Mike Littlewood. Fan favorite. Best looking dude on the set here. No question. No question about that. (laughs) And no, and no pressure, Coach, uh, with that introduction oh, coming Mike. in. It's welcome, baseball season welcome already. Welcome back. Guys? Oh, thanks for having me. It's I awesome. can't believe we've arrived to baseball season already. It, it always catches me because I'm thinking majors, you know, March. And yeah. Here we are in February. You're going to play. Different schedule. But, you know, for us, we've been going since September 8th. Uh, we took December off four weeks. And other than that, we've been just pounding away, um, getting ready to go. So, it's yeah, it's here. This week. Hey, that's great and all, but we've picked you to finish sixth in the conference. <laughs> no, explain, so. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> explain Thank you very the much. sixth thing. It feels like every time BYU is picked to finish sixth, they win the conference. Yeah. Anything but first. We do not want to be picked first. You ever. don't? No. Okay, so Gonzaga yeah. was the preseason yeah. pick, so you yeah. were happy. I was happy about that, yeah. The, the last time we were picked to finish first, we took last. And so... <laughs> The first and only time that both those things have happened, and so we do not want to be picked first. Yeah, so. you're picked second, right? I think we're picked second. We, what's interesting is we got five first place votes, and so there's someone in the league, and I don't, I don't care. I mean, somebody told me this. I honestly didn't. I never look at that stuff, 
But uh, somebody brought it to my attention that somebody in the league, probably one or at least two teams, had to have voted us last. Yes. And I kind of probably know who that is. Um, <laughs> that's okay. That's all right. I love so that they, about baseball They actually so much. helped us. They took us out of that first place spot uh-huh. and put us right where we're comfortable, second place. <laughs> now, you've won the league three of the last four years, and last year was a banner year. Uh, you ranked for half the year, and, and you have the highest win percentage since 93. How do you, how do you build off that? Because you did lose some good players. Well, I mean, I, I, last year was so special because it wasn't, you know, I, I don't think we were any more talented than we ever have been, but it, last year was really with the mantra all in. I mean, that, it's kind of a catchphrase now, but I, I do want to say we started that a couple of years ago and with our team only, and guys bought in last year, and it, it's a cultural thing. I mean, it really is. Guys are playing for each other. Um, they they love one another. They truly did. They wanted to, you know, they everybody on the team had the same goals. And I feel like even though we're pretty young this year, they this team loves one another. They're they're great guys. There's a good vibe about it. And I mean, those of us in athletics know how important that is. Yep. Talent the talent level can take you so far, but that that mental side, it's probably eighty percent of the game at this level. And we're seeing it with the men's basketball team. Mark Pope has said, we have the best locker room in America, and we're seeing the difference on the court, right? No doubt. I love how how Coach Pope's teams play. They play with passion, energy. You know know that they're playing for one another, and they're playing for Coach Pope and everybody in the organization. And um, it just – you can't overstate how important that is. You just really can't. And when you have a year like we did two years ago when everything was a struggle, and it was because of the cultural thing. But, um, yeah, I, I like where our team's at. We're young, but uh, we're ready to play. How much can you control that? Because it feels like a yeah. lot. You can say things, and you can enact certain rules, right? But it almost feels like the players have to actually execute. That they way. they have to. You know, we we do some things like river rafting trip to Moab, and we paintballing. We can't paintball anymore because it's somebody got shot in the <laughs> eye. Not on our team, but um, oh. we do uh, we do a lot of those different. We had a magician come in um, to one of our boosters' houses last last week, and just try to do five or six or seven things throughout the fall up to now that's what we can do uh we can talk about uh we stole um a, a little thing from football coach kalani um we call it the triple h where guys get up there and do a little presentation you guys have probably seen it um their hero and, and hardship and highlight of their lives and so guys get to know each other on a different level um but that's what we can do we can't control when they go to basketball games again what i love is when I go to the basketball game, there's probably 12 to 14 guys that are that sit near my seats, or I think they're probably seat poaching, but um, they're together. <laughs> you know, they're to, they're together, and it's that's really unique, and and it's you have to have that to have a winning team. BYU baseball coach Mike Littlewood on BYU Sports Nation. You have a top 25 recruiting class. You mentioned you're young, but you're bringing in a ton of talent. How are you doing this in a typical non-baseball place where there is cold weather and a real winter? Well, I mean, I think we just have so much to offer. Uh, our field, number one, uh, turf field, heat, you know, heating system underneath it. We've been outside. Besides last week, uh, we've, we've been outside every single day through the snow. and, and uh, it, So that's, that's one. Our facilities are, are top-notch, and I think our program's doing the, doing the right things. We're sending guys to pro ball. And, so we have a lot to offer that way. Uh, I don't think too many guys worry about the weather at all. Um, and so – I just think if if you just keep plugging away and keep putting the work in and, and develop players, that's what they want to do. And, and they, they see other guys going to play pro ball and, and going deep in pro ball. And we got a bunch of guys that are they don't just they're not just one and done. They're going and playing for a few years. And so uh, we got a good thing going right now. Just got to keep going.
Let's talk about the pitching depth. It feels like there's a good group there of returners with Justin Sterner and Easton Walker and Reed McLaughlin and Drew Zimmerman, Jared Lesser, Mitch McIntyre. Then you had a guy by the name of Cy Nielsen. Yeah, yeah. A pitcher yeah. named Cy. That is fantastic. It's awesome. And, and we were talking before um, I came on. Cy, he's the whole package. He'll be our number uh, two starter. He'll start against New Mexico. And we, we see him throwing Friday nights for us uh, this year. So Sterner will throw the first game. And um, Cy will throw the second game, and probably Easton Walker will, will go that third game. So pretty good starting rotation. But Cy's a left-hander from Spanish Fork, uh, pitches with a lot of maturity. He, he'll sit 92-94. Now, slider's like 80-83 with a good changeup. I mean, he's, he's the real deal. He's a freshman. There's going to be some growing pains there. But uh, talent, makeup, he's, he's the real – and the name. I mean, how can, oh, how can you go wrong? He was born to pitch, and he's <laughs> yeah. lefty? That's no doubt. Amazing. It's awesome. Yeah. You probably just answered this question, but what is the strength of this team? Pitching, no doubt. Um, I, I think talent is, is one strength. Um, somebody asked me the other day, what's, what, I think it was Jason Shepard, what are you most excited about and what are you most anxious about? And it's the exact same thing. Uh, we're super talented, so I'm, I'm excited about that, but we're super young. Um, and so that gives me a little bit of anxiety. But the guys that you mentioned on the mound um, and Mitch on the, on the defensive side, Deming on the defensive side, Abe, Abe Valdez on the defensive side, are going to hopefully be that core that bring those young guys. But our strength is, is clearly pitching. We faced uh, Utah in the fall, 15 innings. We threw 15 different pitchers, and all of them were just lights out. I really think we have 12, to 12 13, 14 options this year where we usually have seven or eight. Have you uh, ever been in that situation? Never, never. And guys mm-hmm. will come out. There's not a guy that we're going to run. There's not a guy on our staff right now that's going to be, well, let's see how he does. Every guy, is if they bring their best stuff, can get outs all day long. So I have a walk-on McKay Johnson out of Atlanta, 6'6 right-hander that's going to run it up there, 94-96. Um, Carter Smith out of, of uh, Sky Ridge is, you know, he'll 94. 294, sinking fastball. So we, we have really, really good options. That's exciting. Um, how's Jaron Hall doing? He's doing great. Um, you know, Jaron's dealing with a little bit of a sore back. I think the rotational stuff coming out of football um, was swinging. Carrying BYU when they were doing <laughs> Exactly, yeah. yeah. But um, we, we went down to St. George and practiced, and the, the guy I just mentioned, McKay Johnson, threw a 92-mile-an-hour fastball, and Jaron turned it around and hit it about 345 feet down the left field line uh, for a home run. He just, man, he's... And we've talked about this before. He's he's such a great athlete. Um, he needs more at bats. Th- that's the one. He just needs some more live at bats. But but man, what a quality person! Um, and if he doesn't play one inning this year, he's he's a guy that you want on your team. And and I think he'll he'll be really good for us. You've got a unique early season schedule that includes Gonzaga, but in a non conference scenario, and then you play six games against New Mexico. How did those <laughs> things happen? Well, we got in the we agreed to be in the Oregon State tournament uh, a long time ago, and didn't know the other teams. And then they came back and said, "Hey, um, you get to play Gonzaga first. And we were already locked into it. And it's really not that big of a deal. I don't like it a whole lot. Um, it's just it's just weird. I guess that's a it's just kind of weird and strange. But then New Mexico's the other opponent. We already had New Mexico scheduled at New Mexico the third week of the season for four games, and they said, "Hey, the other team's New Mexico." And so that happens sometimes. Um, but uh, hey, we'll early. We just want to get innings. We want to get work, and and we want to win games too. So 
Um, that'll be a good matchup to open up the season, though. Yeah, Friday, 7 Eastern, uh, 4 Pacific on BYU Radio. You can listen uh, from Surprise, Arizona. So yeah. let's go. Absolutely. Let's do it. Let's give you yeah, some BYU game Sports time. Nation karma. Take it. It's baseball. You're, you're going to need let's that go. karma to survive Jason Shepard. <laughs> yeah. so. Are you oh, obligated to mention him, by the way? Well, we didn't tell him. He's dri- actually driving. He's not on the flight. <laughs> so you didn't I, tell him? I got to tell him that today. Let's do so. it, Oh, and he's in another hotel. I didn't tell him that either. <laughs> Whoops. I'll let him know that today. Maybe you guys oh, could tell him hilarious. that. Mike Littlewood of the uh, projected sixth-place yeah. BYU baseball yeah, six, team. Yeah, sixth-place BYU. <laughs> Coach, great to Thanks, have you. Thanks, guys. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline as part of our continuing BYU Sports Nation coverage is one of the newest XFL wide receiver stars of the New York Guardians, former BYU guy Colby Pearson. Colby, welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Let's start with the touchdown catch. Uh, We've seen multiple angles of it. Exciting to watch you score uh, on national television. Walk us through the play that got you into the books as uh, a professional player that scored his first touchdown. Yeah, so it was uh, just a double move, and I had single coverage out there with no help over the top, so I knew I had some time, and I knew I had some field to work with. So, um, fortunately, I was able to sell him on my inside move and get back out, and uh, Matt put a perfect ball over my shoulder and caught it, so it was awesome. What was opening weekend like in the XFL? This is obviously a, a new league, and there's a lot of there was there's a lot put into this league to make this look really good, and opening weekend, by all accounts, was a pretty big success. What was that like to be a part of? Yeah, it was cool. Um, it was kind of one of those deals where, like, we didn't know, just like the fans, we didn't really know what to expect, you know, with the rule changes and stuff. We'd never seen them in a live game yet. And, um, I mean, there was no film to watch, brand-new league, brand-new team, so there wasn't a whole lot of study going on, you know, as far as our first opponent. So kind of a lot of unknowns, but I think it went – really really well and from what i've heard i think it was really successful opening weekend so let's talk about some of those rule changes and it's hard not to notice the kickoff rule first and foremost because that starts the game what else was kind of a shock to your system um yeah so that one's pretty pretty crazy um the one foot in bounds is cool i like it as a receiver and then there's some different things for like punt so like the gunners can't leave until the ball is actually kicked and then the punter can't use out of bounds or if the ball goes out of bounds, the ball comes to like the 35. And so like he has to, it's all about returns, right? So he has to try to put it in a place where the guy can catch it and uh, get a return. I think that's what the fans want to see. And I think that the new rule changes have worked so far to what they intended to do. You know, in terms of the kickoff, I've, I've talked with a lot of people. I think a lot of people like that version better than what we're seeing even in the NFL. And I remember even in the first uh, version of the XFL, you know, many, many years ago, there are still things that, that have been taken from that. I wouldn't be surprised to see the, the NFL down the line take something like, like the kickoff. I, I think it's fantastic. Why was the XFL the right path for you? How, how did that work out? Kind of take us through the timeline on, on how you got to where you are right now. Yeah, so I, I, in 2000, I believe it was 2018, the preseason, I was with Atlanta, and I, in a preseason game, I actually tore my shoulder up a little bit, so had another injury. Ended up getting a, an injury settlement from them, so I went home, and that's where kind of I, I took a step back and had to evaluate, you know, what I was going to do and what path I wanted to take. Well, anyways, my agent hit me up with an opportunity. I was invited to 
a showcase, XFL showcase for the new league starting the next spring. And so um, I said, you know what, let's give it a try. And I went to Seattle, did a showcase for him, and got drafted by the New York team. And I'm here now. So um, it's just one of those deals where the opportunity came up. I was kind of in, in a point in my life where I was I was debating if I wanted to keep trying to play ball. I knew I wanted to play again. I just didn't know if it was, you know, in the cards for me. And um, I decided kind of with my wife and and my family to, to give it one more go, and, and so here I am. Wide receiver Colby Pearson of the XFL's New York Guardians with us on BYU Sports Nation, former BYU standout. Because of what happened with the AAF, how did that affect your attitude going into this XFL Part 2? Yeah, um, I think, I mean, just seeing that last year, you're a little bit skeptical and stuff, but ever since we've gotten here, it's been pretty professional and um, it's all been pretty positive, and so I think we've all been optimistic and we're not too worried about that aspect of it, uh, you know. But in the bottom line, I, I'm I'm just here to uh, you know stay healthy, get some film out, and, and I'm getting paid and I'm providing for my family by playing football, man. So it doesn't get much better than that, you know. Well, and you're not the only former BYU Cougar that is in the XFL. In fact, you had a, a former Cougar on the other side of the field. In yep. fact, one tackling you, Micah Hanneman, uh, was, yep. uh, was with the Vipers in that game. What was that like to experience that with, with another BYU Cougar and, and just to have you know more BYU players playing pro football? No, it's awesome. Um, so the weeks kind of leading up to this first game, we actually did a joint practice against Tampa and like a preseason game against them as well. So I got to see a lot of Micah, and it's really cool. Um, I'm really good friends with Micah, and in between plays, if we were by each other, we'd be kind of talking, um, and it was, it was fun. And then we also did a joint practice with the D.C. team who we play this coming week, so I got to see DeAndre Wesley. Um, and it's cool just to see those guys out there still chasing the dream and still working, and um, I wish them all the best. And I'm excited to see, you know, Tomasi and, and the rest of the dudes later on in the season, so. How's the reception of the New York fans been to XFL football thus far? Man, it was it was a, a surprising turnout. Um, I think we had the second highest attendance in, in the league for for week one, and so I mean they, they were loud and rowdy. And I think if, if as long as we can keep playing well, we should get more and more. And so it was a it was a pleasant surprise. And I think people out here, you know, they love football, and if we can get give them a quality football out there on the weekends, I think they'll come out and support. Colby, what's the goal for you in the XFL? What, what do you want? What do you want this to be for you? Like, you want to use it as a springboard? I mean, how, how are you looking at this opportunity? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think um, first and foremost, uh, like I kind of mentioned earlier, I just need to get get some film out there and show that I can stay healthy. Um, I definitely think that it, it's a it's a perfect opportunity for a guy like me who's had to deal with injuries in the NFL to get a chance to get back there. Um, and so, and so that's what I'm hoping happens. I'm hoping I have a good, successful season. I'll get a chance, you know, in May or whatever, to to sign somewhere. And if not, I'll just keep working and, and keep doing my thing. I've had to do that from day one, and so um, I'm comfortable in being the underdog position and having to work to get all my stuff, you know. So that's 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 kind of my plan moving forward. Colby Pearson on BYU Sports Nation. What's your coaching staff like? Because uh, to be quite honest with you, we've got so many things going on here, it's hard to dive into the details other than the BYU guys. So walk us through your staff and the relationship you have with them. Yeah, well, Coach uh, Kevin Gilbride, our head coach, I mean, he, he's super experienced, great offensive mind, has a couple Super Bowl rings, um, really experienced staff, a couple of the guys have Super Bowl rings. Um, I think some were on staff with him with the Giants. Um Loving my receivers coach, Mike Miller. He's been all around. He was an offensive coordinator for the Cardinals for a little bit. Um, and, and so far, it's been really, really good. I have a really good relationship with them. And um, 
I love the offense that we run. They got some got some cool things that I haven't actually done yet, but a lot, you know, kind of what I really like about it is there's a lot more option style stuff for like the slot guy. So he can kind of pick his route according to what he sees coverage wise, you know, he's not locked into a 10 yard in or whatever, you know, so things like that, that I feel like I can, I is a strength in my game. How much do you get to keep up on, uh, on BYU football? How, how, uh, how closely do you follow it? And, and just your overall thoughts on how things have gone this past season. Yeah, I went to a couple games this past year. I, went, I was actually at the USC game, so that was awesome. Um, and then this was kind of, I want to say, yeah, because Aleva, this was kind of the last year of the dudes that were freshmen when I was there, I believe. So still knew quite a few of the guys, and um, it's always fun to go back and watch them. When I can, I love to always come in and check them out. And, um, you know, I think we have a really bright future there, and I think we have a lot of young talent. Well, we're pretty young this year, and I'm excited to see what those guys can do this year. Their schedules they're making are awesome, so, I mean, we just got to step up to the plate now. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear and catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on BYU TV and BYU Radio. BYU.